This is the Blue Cloud Podcast, empowering the entrepreneurial lifestyle with insights on the leading trends in the mobile and digital landscape, turning ideas to empires. What is up, Blue Cloud people? Carter Thomas coming to you live from the southwest corner of the Big Island in Hawaii. I'm here for a few weeks, beautiful location, just doing some work and swimming in the ocean. It's a great time. And today I have an interview with a guy I worked with a bunch of different times and someone who is one of the most successful young entrepreneurs I've ever met. Matt Clark owns Amazing.com. If you've never heard of it, Amazing.com is one of the leaders in the entire online education space. They teach people how to do anything from, I don't know, sell products on Amazon or write copy or even make apps. Uh, I, I did a course on on Amazing.com and it was it was really great not only to work with Matt, but just to get to know him. And I asked Matt if he wanted to be on the podcast because he just released a new mobile version of his company in a native mobile app. And it is one of, it's, it's definitely the first time I've ever seen someone do this. And it's also extremely innovative. It's really interesting to see how he's trying to marry the web with the iOS world and eventually the Android world as well. And uh, we just had a great conversation. Matt's definitely one of the smartest guys I know. He graduated from uh, one of the top entrepreneur schools in the country at University of Houston. Um, and he started his first business at the age of 22, and then he grew into a multi-million dollar industry-leading enterprise with thousands of products. Over the next four years, he launched and grew three more multi-million dollar businesses focused on bottom line profitability. Um, now he's hyper-focused on practical things that business owners can do to drive growth and profitability, which he considers a true measure of business. I think... On top of all that, Matt is just a really great guy. Every time I talk to him, uh, I, I learn a lot. I get a lot out of the conversation, and he's just super smart, super friendly, really easygoing, but also incredibly driven. So I think anyone out there who's ever been interested in creating a platform in the app world or how do you run a big, big, multi-multi-million dollar business through an app, you want to pay attention. The other big piece of this is that we talk a lot about the new subscription model and how that impacts the decision to get into the app business, uh, which is something that a lot of people just haven't explored yet. So we're going to get into that as well. And finally, we're just going to talk all about how to launch and market an app like this using techniques that most people in the app space don't really think about. This is much more of a how do you leverage the external internet marketing world to launch a big, big app like this. This is one of the funnest and uh, most enlightening conversations I've had in a very long time. I think you'll get a lot out of it. And without further ado, guys, Matt Clark. Learn, implement, succeed. The Blue Cloud Podcast with Carter Thomas. All right, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Carter. All right, great. Yeah, uh, we met, I guess, last fall or fall 2015 i should say uh down in austin texas it, at your offices it was great i yep. i had seen your face many times on the internet and now i got to, <laughs> to finally meet the man behind the uh amazing selling machine yeah awesome thank you yeah it's been great great uh, getting to know you yeah yeah exactly and when so i was down there obviously we were, we we're putting together a course um that we launched on your platform it was also really cool to talk to you and to learn about what you've been up to for, I don't even know, like four or five years. Um, and so for anyone who doesn't know, doesn't know you, doesn't know Amazing, we'll obviously get into all this and your new product. But I always really like to talk about where you're coming from. And I like to wind it back as far as you can. Now, what were you doing before the online stuff? Because I think, if, if memory serves, you were doing something mm -hmm. with banking. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I, I graduated college back in 2008, and so that was uh, when I was, you know, kind of making a career choice, I guess, like the year before there, back in 2007. That's when 
you know, the finance stuff was just going nuts. And like, you know, you were seeing, you know, hedge fund managers making a billion dollars in a year, which I guess still kind of happens. Just nobody really is happy about it. But uh, back then it was just nuts. And I was like, you know, this is crazy. It's like, you know, I want to start a business. That was kind of all I really cared about doing was starting some business. And I was like, you know, it sounds like a great business, a hedge fund. That sounds awesome. I was like, you know, you kind of uh, have a lot of fun doing it and, you know, have a really big financial upside. And so then I decided to go work in um, investment banking. I actually worked in a city group in energy trading in Houston for uh, about, you know, I was going to do that for a while, for three to five years, and then kind of go, you know, start up my own fund. Uh, but then, you know, I got, you know, seven months into it, and I was like, this is crazy. I was like, I'm just not motivated to do this. Like, I'm just, when it comes down to it, not built to work for someone else. And, you know, funny enough, fast forward now, like, I've actually taken <laughs> a, a psychology tests that that pretty much prove that I'm, I'm virtually unemployable for, for one reason <laughs> or another. Um, so, yeah, I found that out that way. And so, yeah, I left after about seven months and um, came to Austin and kind of, you know, knew I wanted to start a business and ended up fumbling my way into basically selling some very, um, you know, high end hypoallergenic uh, health supplements online that were just typically sold in doctor's offices. But I was one of the first people to actually start selling them online. Um, and what's kind of cool now is that, like, you know, I don't really do much with that sort of business anymore, you know, on the health side. Uh, but nowadays, like those same supplements are the ones that, you know, all these kind of, you know, health gurus talk about. It's the same kind of brands, these very high quality, because, you know, there's a lot of crap out there in the supplement world. Uh, but yeah, no, that's kind of kind of how I got started, building my own e-commerce stores and, uh, you know, selling those products. Very cool. And, and not to get into the weeds too much, but how did you even know that this was a thing? You know, how, how did you come about this idea of selling stuff online? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, um, when I, when I knew I wanted to run my own business, you know, I knew I wasn't going to stay longer in that investment banking thing and just be miserable as an employee. So I was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what business I want to start. I was like, but a good maybe stepping stone is, you know, my dad, uh, I was in Houston and he was in Austin, had been there, you know, for a while. Uh, and so he ran a, you know, a couple medical clinics that he, that he owned. Uh, they basically did bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and medical weight loss and that kind of thing. I was like, well, I was like, while I'm trying to figure out what business I want to start, maybe I'll go help him um, with his business so I can see what a business kind of looks like, a smaller one that's kind of run from on the ground. Because versus like Citigroup with however many tens of thousands, or I don't know, maybe I have over 100,000 employees with other banking employees, you don't hardly see any of the business. And I was like, well, I want to see what like a, a smaller business actually looks like. And so I went down there and started helping him with some marketing stuff and that kind of thing. And then I kind of noticed that some of these supplements, I was like, you know, it's crazy that people are having to run around to these doctor's offices to buy these things. Um, I wonder if anybody's looking for them online. And so I started poking around online and I found out that it did look like people were kind of looking for them online. And so I just kind of, you know, uh, fumbled my way into building an e-commerce store. I had no idea what I was doing. I was not a programmer. I wasn't somebody who spent, you know, my whole life on the internet or any of that sort of stuff. Um, but just kind of saw of opportunity and just kept pushing along and, and learning as much as I could to get all that stuff live. Yeah, it's super cool. I always really like hearing stories. It's always refreshing, I should say, to hear stories where uh, someone sees the demand and then they match the demand with the supply in a creative way versus yep. so many entrepreneurs who start with the supply side and then they go out and try to find the demand and then they wonder why they can't sell anything. And I think that yeah. there's, there's a lot a lot to that, but you know, that's that's another conversation. Yeah, no, that's an interesting way, interesting to put it, because I mean, I would say, you know, I know we'll get into kind of what we're doing now, but it's it's kind of funny you say that because I never thought about that's what I was doing back then, uh, but that's definitely what we kind of advise people to do now, because you know, you've always got on the other hand like somebody who wants to invent something just because they think it'll be cool and it'll be fun, and like those are the people who are years down the road that are still struggling to <laughs> try to make any sales versus you know, like you said, finding demand that already exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like. I always love the questions of <clears throat> when people ask me, um, hey, what, what business model is the best or which one should I use? Like which one's going to make me the most money? And I'm like, any of them, but you got to have a business <laughs> for, for that to work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just funny how that works in the online world. Um, yep. And so through this, you were selling online and um, was this all through your own site? Were you selling on Amazon at this point? Yeah, so the way it, you know, started is um, Amazon, you know, funny enough, that, would, that had to have been in 2009. And nowadays, we just kind of take Amazon for granted as the biggest and best thing. That's the only place people want to buy stuff, physical products anyways. Uh, we just kind of take that for granted. But back in 2009, which, you know, uh, doesn't even seem like it was that long ago. But back then, it was still... 
it's like the main place when you were selling physical products, the main place you would sell them is on your own website. And then Amazon for most people is kind of just like a lot of people, if you, if you know anything about e-commerce, a lot of people are just using basically product feeds that would automatically pull their products from their website into Amazon and they get some sales on Amazon. Cool. If they don't, they don't really care. They're not really focusing there. Um, but then I, you know, was doing a lot of online marketing stuff and SEO and that kind of thing. And I noticed that no matter what I did, I had all the best stuff in SEO, all the right assets, all that kind of stuff going on. But Amazon was just, you know, there was no way to beat them. And I was like, this is crazy. There has to be a way to sell. I mean, who, who there's got to be some people that are out there selling on Amazon. I think that's who that's who I'm competing with anyways, uh, not Amazon itself. And so I did some research and then kind of found out how to set up an account and how to launch a product. And that's when I, you know, I, I went from at one point from having one e-commerce store to 30 e-commerce stores to kind of consolidating this back to one e-commerce store for, you know, trying to build a bigger brand. Uh, but that, you know, around that time is when I kind of uh, started launching products on Amazon. And that's when, you know, I really saw the massive opportunity there and saw um, the crazy amount of sales volume that you could have over there for, you know, very basic products and for millions of products. Right. Yeah, it's it, you know it did kind of come out of come out of nowhere, and then I I don't know when they launched Amazon Prime, but that was uh, I would imagine like the the ultimate hockey stick of any any online uh, shipping business. Yeah, because I mean, even with your own e-commerce store, you were always having to sort of take Amazon into consideration. Like they would do free shipping over twenty five dollars, I think, back then, and so you would kind of match that. Otherwise, people just didn't want to buy it. Then eventually, yeah, I mean, like you said, with Prime, like they just started giving free shipping to everyone. Then that's when it really became like, if I can't buy it on Amazon, like I don't want to buy it at all. And so that's why nowadays for a lot of physical products, people, it's more like they're putting everything into Amazon and their own e-commerce store is kind of a uh, it's it's the part that they don't focus a lot on. Totally. And and one thing that uh, I didn't pers- I actually didn't realize this when I first met you is that you also had. Uh, you have a lot of experience with with apps themselves, or you know, phys- mobile apps. Was this during, after, before? Like, where do the apps fit in? Yeah, so I, uh, you know, when I first, uh, I would say, I don't know, three or four years of building any business, uh, I just went a little crazy. I probably, I think I started, I tried to add it up one time. Uh, I think I started like 20 businesses in that time period. Now, this doesn't <laughs> mean like full-blown employees for every single one and all that sort of stuff, but I tried a lot of things. Um, everything from a, a e-commerce kind of website setup slash design agency, which was, was a disaster, um, and, you know, other things like that that I just kept seeing opportunity. I was like, well, we'll give this a try. And so, um, you know, I've been asked before, it's like, you know, would you consider that stuff failure? Or what does failure look like? And to me, it was all just process of learning, learning what I wanted to do and learning what real opportunity ap- actually meant. And so along the way, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff going on with apps also. And that's when I was still, you know, selling the health supplements. And so I decided it would be cool to um, launch. Uh, I started off with just one app that was, you know, related to health and fitness. And so um, I basically created an app and it was very inexpensive. I think it's gotten more expensive recently from what I hear. But um, the way I did it back then is I just, you know, went on uh, Elance, I believe, Elance or Odesk, one of the two, uh, and went on one of them and basically hired, you know, on the one hand, some designers and on the other hand, some developers. And I think I paid a total of like $500, maybe $600 for that first app. And all it really did was um, basically I had a whole series of ab exercises in there. And so the ab, the app was called Abs, Abs Workout Express. And so all it did was basically you could, um, I think I can't, it's hard to remember now, but I think you would click on each individual day or the next day of the workout and it would just kind of, you know, randomly generate a workout based off of all the ones that were in the database. Mm. And so that's basically what I did. And at first I was just kind of seeing what would happen. Um, but I ended up, you know, creating a series of like seven very similar ones. Like, so abs workout express, uh, chest workout express, and like a whole little series of them. Um, and so ended up, uh, I can't remember how many downloads. I think it was maybe like 100,000 downloads or something like that. And because I know for sure I captured about 50,000 emails because the way I did it was uh, you basically, uh, as soon as you log into the app, it kind of asked you for your email. But I didn't have, you know, the this sort of programming team to be able to do any sort of account setup or any of that. So it's like they either enter their email or they can kind of skip. And so I uh, captured about 50,000 emails. 
but I wasn't doing a whole lot with that thing. I didn't really have a, a bigger plan, to be honest. Um, so I ended up just kind of converting them all to paid. Uh, and so they were all, I think, a dollar or dollar ninety nine. And so uh, it ended up producing, you know, 20, 30 grand or something like that. And I think all the apps in total cost about $2,000, maybe $2,500 with some website and design stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was, I guess, okay from that respect. But yeah, I just kind of at that point got on to other things and just kind of let those things die. And I was, just, I was just logging into that account and it says some sort of developer something or other has been expired. And like, you know, I haven't done anything with that in probably three years or something. So what year did you launch that? Yeah, so uh, let me think. So I started doing anything back in 2009. The app stuff had to have been like 2011 or 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so funny um, to hear you describe your experience with the apps too because right around that time, 2011, 2012, uh, the idea of, of capturing emails with a mobile app was just completely not a um, not a concept most people thought about. And it sounds like even with even with email capture, there wasn't a big marketing funnel or anything, uh, so to speak, because for obvious complication reasons. But it's it is so interesting looking back at mobile apps in that specific niche, but just in that time frame when you could just I mean you could pull in hundreds of thousands of emails. I mean I know plenty of people that that continue to do this, and how mobile apps have been and and continue to be this lead acquisition platform. And I know talking to people outside of the app business, when I tell them that, you know, here's, here's a way you can get new leads that, you know, they, they don't even, doesn't even cross their mind that a mobile app might be able to drive new leads for, for the core business. You know, it's not in the app store. Yeah. And the, the cool thing was, is it's not like it was, you know, junk leads or anything like that. I mean, I think apps were newer, um, for people. So it's like, you know, when it's newer, people are less, I don't know, I guess hesitant to put in real information. So um, those emails were getting like a 30, 40% open rate, like the few that I did send to those people. So it was definitely a, a very engaged list on top of it. Wow. And so you started 20 companies, apps being one of them. Um, things were starting to go really well, and you had a lot of success in a few of those companies, uh, you know, with the online e-commerce, Amazon, all this. That transitions into what is now the amazing dot-com that, that many of us know. I mean, obviously, I know it. Many of the listeners know, know about it. I've promoted amazing.com many times. Uh, when did you decide that, you know, you, you, you switch from mining the gold to selling the shovels? I mean, I did the same thing in the app business with mm-hmm. made a lot of apps and started teaching people about it, and now that became a bigger part of my business. How, how did that transition happen? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I know even, you know, back in school, like I like to do public speaking, I like to talk and teach and all that sort of stuff. And so then I was, you know, cranking along, building my own business, selling on my own e-commerce store, selling on Amazon, uh, was, you know, doing doing fairly well. And so, uh, but then I started, you know, thinking, I was like, I see all these other people that are putting on live events where they have these big audiences that, you know, like to hear stuff from them and are learning stuff and they're helping these people out. And I'm like, you know what? I was like, I bet there's just about anybody could do what I'm doing on Amazon. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to go sell a million different products. Like I'm selling a handful of products and you can do what I'm doing with just about any product available on there. And so uh, I started talking with some people that kind of had experience that had been, you know, teaching um, business stuff or online marketing stuff for years. Like some of the really early people who had done that stuff. I started talking with them and they thought it'd be a great idea. Um, So then ended up basically uh, creating a course on how to do what I was doing and, uh, you know, it was, uh, had to work out a lot of kinks because it turns out, um, I think half or maybe more than half of the people who bought that course the first time around were not from the U S and I am only from the U S. And so <laughs> I, uh, had no idea the kind of hurdles that they would have to jump through to be able to set up an account and payment information and all that. So it was, a uh, it was good. It was, but, uh, you know, a little crazy at the beginning, but we, you know, eventually ironed all that stuff out. And so, uh, but then I felt like, you know, part of it, I don't know if it's just, natural ability or tendencies or just you know desire to help a lot of people but i feel like we found out how to really create a course that actually gets people results because my opinion was especially at the time i think people have gotten better but especially at the time like a lot of these like you know kind of quote unquote guru people who are out there teaching courses um were were kind of just doing what people do with books it's like here's a bunch of information go for it 
maybe you'll be successful, maybe you won't, I don't care, I've given you the course, my job is done. Uh, and then I want to take a very different approach because I kept hearing people that are like, I've been taking course after course after course after course for a year, now I'm ready to implement something. And I'm just like, holy crap. I was like, you should have been implementing something with the first five minutes of a video you watched. Like, otherwise, what's the point? Mm. And so then started basically gearing the courses and the entire platform towards people actually doing stuff in the real world. And so it was more of like a, even though it was all delivered in video-based training, just like a typical course, uh, the way it was structured and still is, is more of like, a, almost like you have a coach sitting there guiding you that's saying, all right, here's what you're supposed to do, now go do it and come back to me after. And then here's a little bit more of it, go do that, come back to me after. And so that's how we, we structured things and kept sort of improving and iterating on that model. Um, and that's how we ended up with people, you know, join these courses that had never built a business before and go on to build, you know, businesses that do millions of dollars a year and in some cases tens of millions of dollars a year. Um, and they had literally never built a business before, like nothing. Um, and it was, you know, I, I you know, they, they, they end up putting a lot of work in on their own and maybe there's a luck factor. and There's all kinds of other things. But in large part, uh, they, they definitely got a huge help from the courses that they took from us. And so uh, I knew we were kind of on to something with that educational I guess, model or, or way we were structuring things. So that's when we started bringing other people onto, onto the platform and creating courses with them. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of what ended up becoming amazing.com. So rather than just one course, uh, we have all kinds of courses. And just so uh, I, I can paint this picture for everyone, your first Amazon selling machine, which was the first course, or the course you're describing, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. um, from, from anecdotally, uh, the first ASM one was filmed in like your kitchen, wasn't it? Like he's like an <laughs> iPhone or something. Yeah. So, uh, it was actually the first course I ever created was, uh, Amazon money machine and then decided it probably not such a good idea to have Amazon in the course name. Uh, but yeah, first thing was Amazon money machine. And yeah, it was literally, you know, shot at a house with, uh, I had no idea how to edit videos or any of that sort of stuff. Just had like a little USB headset basically. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and for anyone else out there, if if you're um, another picture to paint, I went to the Amazing.com Summit uh, in 2015, and I believe there was about 4,000 people there. It was in Las Vegas. It was probably the biggest conference group I've ever seen, and what was so amazing about it is you go to a lot of conferences and people are like. You know, they're walking around, talking to each other. There's a little bit of energy. I went to this conference and all 4,000 people were all talking about like how this changed their life, how it, how they actually built a business, how they did get these results, everything you just said. So, I mean, I, I fully endorse it. It was, it was, it was really was just incredible to see the kind of impact that having that right, uh, you know, that mindset of you know, this is what I want to do with the online education. It is very possible. Um, one question I have, which is completely uh, tangential, which I, I didn't write in the questions I sent over to you. How did you get that domain name? <laughs> uh, like anything, uh, you know, a good amount of money. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of funny. I had, uh, I had, you know, because we, we uh, the main course we, I mean, still, I guess, best known for, but it was the only one we had at the time was Amazing Selling Machine. And so we knew we wanted to create multiple courses. And so we, Amazing Selling Machine, like, was just going to be one course under sort of the umbrella brand. And so decided to create Amazing Academy. Um, we're teaching courses, so Academy sounds fitting, and so that sounds cool. And so we get that. Um, but then I sort of start thinking, I'm like, well, I wonder who has Amazing.com. Um, and so then I reach out to the guy. And then uh, it was just redirecting to some like haunted house website or something. And I was like, you know, it looks like it was literally set up back in 1998 and they never changed it. And then so I did a little like, you know, I haven't bought a, that many domains, but I did a little uh, domain valuation tool online that said it was worth something like, I don't know, three or four hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I was like, maybe this guy just doesn't know what he's sitting on. So I sent him a, I sent him an email just looking him up through the who is thing. I sent him an email. And I was like, look, I was like, I'll give you 20 grand for that domain. <laughs> and then I'm like surprised he even responded. I would, I, I don't know if I was, if I was him, but he saw it. He was super nice. And he was like, yeah, you know, thanks for the offer. But, you know, it's a little low. He's like the top offer right now is like $450,000. And I was like, whoa, I was like, do not, uh, not ready to pay that for this domain. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, business keeps going. Then a year later or so, uh, we were, you know, rocking and rolling. Everything was going super great and sort of really wanted to go bigger and bigger with this brand name and knew that was or felt anyways that was the right move. And it would also kind of 
no matter what we wanted to do would kind of give us instant credibility um, and sort of easy, easy to remember also. Uh, so I ended up contacting that same person again, did a whole bunch of negotiations. And uh, yeah, I mean, still had to pay, you know, very large chunk of money, but ended up uh, acquiring the domain and sort of uh, went from there. Wow. Like uh, a buddy of mine, his name is Trey Smith. He he owns a company called buildbox.com. It's a big game builder. He's a uh-huh. successful online marketer. He says the same thing. He he puts a lot of emphasis on, you know, having a very short, memorable domain name. And I the more I get into the online world, the more I tend to agree. I think that yeah. uh, it's one thing to have the keywords in your name and, you know, play the SEO game in that sense and PPC game. But um, – I, I, I will freely admit that I've been starting to look at bluecloud.com, which is some, some <laughs> f- film studio in like Northern, yeah. Northern California. And who knows who knows what they're going to be asking for. But I have um, to tell you, for us, for us, it does get a little confusing, though. I can't tell you half the time I'm trying to type in either our name or Amazon's, and I'm typing in the wrong one. I'm like uh, <laughs> trying to check out our website, and I'll go to Amazon. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> it's all the time. So, oh, well. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the, I would say the, the big topic we want to discuss or i'm really interested in i think a lot of listeners are is the next or one of the next ventures for amazing is getting uh moving the platform into a mobile experience or a mobile app i should say and as you were saying before you're you have a results focused platform and it's very robust i got to see it on pretty much as as closely as anyone could see it, both as a content creator, as a user, uh, you know, talking to developers, and also talking to the education staff that you have that vets all the content that structures it correctly. Your your platform is is very powerful. It's very impressive, and like you said, it gets a lot of really good results. I got a really good glimpse at uh, at your platform, both from a content creator, as a user, as a developer. I got to see all walks of it, and you have a very, very powerful platform and it gets results. It was, it's doing really well. It continues to do really well. It's very impressive, very powerful. It's also very complex in a lot of ways um, because there's a lot of content on there. From my perspective, I would look at something like this or I would look at what you have and I would say, this is great, you know, rock on. What, what's, what was the impetus to say, hey, let's, the mobile app uh, platform has something that this doesn't. Um, we should build a an app that allows people to consume this content. What prompted you to get to make that step? Yeah, I think it's really about um, reaching a, a wider audience. Um, you know, it's you know a lot of people out there around the world uh, outside the U.S. I mean, there's if anybody's looked at the statistics, um, and I'm sure you no know, knowing what you do, you I'm sure you have as yourself, but. Uh, that mobile phone usage is higher in a lot of those places than using desktop or laptop uh, computers. And so we know we want to take our content to the rest of the world. And so being able to have it on a mobile platform just made a lot of sense. Um, and then also, you know, we've got people and I, I noticed myself and I've seen people like, you know, like like going to the event that you were talking about. Inevitably, when you go to an event with that many people going into like a single city, there'll be people on the plane that are going to the event and I'll see them. They've got their computer like cramped in their seat and they're, you know, sitting there watching some of our videos. Uh, and so giving them the ability to watch that stuff, you know, offline, like while they're on a plane or while they're on a train or any of that sort of stuff, rather than having to wait until they have time to go sit in front of their computer, just made a lot of sense to us. And so a much more, I don't know, it's a much better experience for them and also allows us to reach all the other people around the world who may just not use a computer that often or may not have one with them all the time like they do their cell phone. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like a, it's a new a new platform for consumption. Um, and so f- f- this is just purely pure out of curiosity. Um, from a development standpoint, is that all pulling from the same key, like core files? Is there one single uh, quote unquote server or database that every, like the mobile app is pulling from the website is pulling from the CMS is it all, it's all from the same data source. Yep, it's all uh, all from the same stuff, and we actually have you know two separate teams. One that works on the uh, we call it web based, uh, basically the one you pull up on your computer, and there's one team that works on the uh, mobile app version. But yeah, they all work off the uh, same database. I got it. Yeah, because I remember, I mean, I don't think many people or if anyone in the Blue Cloud community knows this, but I tried to to build something like this about two, a year and a half ago, and I tried to build it from scratch, and the difference is that. 
I didn't have a database, right? And or I, I guess I sh I should say the only database I had was a WordPress database, which is not really a database, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. And that that created so many issues because we we either had to host the platform, or host the content somewhere, or we had to you know put it into the actual app, which with video, which is not not realistic. And mm -hmm. it was it was just a very uh, complicated project for a development standpoint. So. Uh, having a, a central location of data for anyone out there, if you're interested in this in this model of, of content packaging, which I personally think is an, an unbelievable, is, is one of the next big platform uh, user experiences, uh, realize that you need a central place to, to house all your data. And you can either build that on the web, you can build it uh, you know, locally on your desktop if you want to, to get started, uh, or you can start with the app, but realize that like that data and that that architecture needs to be shared. You can't just build an, a unique one for all different platforms. Um, with with that mobile app, because I've seen, you know, certain certain online education platforms, uh, they allow you to consume the content, but it's almost like a mobile website, and it's still pretty clunky, right? It's you know, it's just a different experience. What about having a native mobile app was really exciting for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's some of the, you know, extra features, uh, you know, one is being able to view videos offline. I mean, that's kind of potentially the biggest one um, is so that somebody, if say they're jumping on a plane, and they know they're going to be on a plane for four hours, they can download maybe say two whole courses or something like that, depending on what course or what modules, but they can download that. And then instead of them watching somebody else's content or no content while they're on that plane, they're then sort of um, watching our content, which, you know, sort of makes them uh, more likely to continue with uh, with our brand and with our company. Uh, so that's that's one of the big ones. And also is just the kind of how fluid the experience is. Um, I mean, we've I feel like we've done a really good job or our team has that's that's built this app. And so it just it, it feels like it's supposed to whenever you're uh, consuming content on a mobile phone. I mean, there's all the stuff in there with swiping and and then all the stuff we're we're kind of used to. Um, but yeah, I guess it, I guess it's that much more natural feel of of going through this content. Yeah, yeah, I think and I think that 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 goes a long way. I think that just from and also just from like a, an expectation standpoint, people who get a native app, they go into it assuming certain things will be available. Versus a web app, you kind of assume that it's going to be a little clunky. You know, your connection might time out, blah, 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 blah. But a native app can be very smooth. It can be very seamless. Like you said, you can also have the functionalities that, that make it a great experience. And with the app, and I'll put a link, obviously, for everybody, because you, you can go down this app on the on the iOS store. And w can you walk us through a little bit of the user experience of, of what, you'd, what you'd want? So for someone, let's say a Blue Cloud listener, they don't know anything about amazing.com, um, or you know they, they know something about marketing or online businesses. What is your intent with the user experience? Like, what do you want them to experience when they go in uh, and check out the app? Sure. So we have uh, you know kind of two groups of people. One person who's not a member already, and one person who is a member. And so, a person who is a member, maybe they log into the app. Um, I mean, I mean, they download the app, and then once the app is loaded, then they log in, and maybe they can access their courses that they recently viewed and sort of pick up where they've left off. Uh, so they can you know kind kind of transition as they want, maybe being solely on mobile or between mobile and desktop. Uh, either way. Um, but now, for somebody who's not a member yet, then they they download the app, and then they can see the courses that we're currently recommending, sort of our ones that uh, are by very good sort of vetted instructors. The courses have good high ratings. We know they're very good quality. Um, so that, that section is sort of front and center whenever you load the app. Or the other option is to start looking through the categories. And so maybe you're running an e-commerce business. And so there's a category for e-commerce. Or maybe you want to uh, learn more about marketing. And so there's a category for marketing. Maybe you want to go learn how to build an email list or um, anything like that. And so you sort of pick what's most relevant to you. Um, and then you can start a course and you can see the ratings and the reviews and you can see how many people have uh, have, have viewed that course. And um, once you start viewing a course, then it pops up in a section called uh, currently viewed or currently viewing. And so you can kind of pick up where you've left off from there. Uh, and then the idea is that you're, you're able to view the entire catalog of courses. But the only difference is, is whenever you want to start a course, if you're not currently a member, then it's going to ask you to basically sign up for a subscription. 
uh, and there's a free 30-day trial, but you can do all the sign-up process inside of uh, the app itself. And so if you're if you're on iOS, that means you can do it through Apple's um, you know in-app purchase feature. If you're on uh, you know Google Play, then I think we have two options. One is for uh, just regular credit card, but we use Stripe, and the other one is through uh, Google Play's actual um, checkout feature. And so that can pretty much all happen within the app. And that's that's timed really well. Uh, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but with Apple and Google both coming out about a month ago or so, I guess, I guess June of 2016 and saying, mm-hmm. you know, subscriptions are where it's at, you know, that we want more subscription businesses in the app store. So uh, that's yeah, just luck. <laughs> yeah, that's just serendipity. Yeah. Um, and that's one question I, I was going to ask you, because uh, something that people have asked me a lot is, or the, I guess the example that comes up a lot is something like Spotify, which has gotten into a little bit of hot water because uh, they do there's all their billing outside of the app store, right? And so they say, look, yeah. if you want to do your subscription with Apple, it's twelve ninety nine. If you want to do it on our site, it's nine ninety nine, and then you can just log in into the app. And Apple's kept them in there, obviously, but there's you know they've been, they've gotten a lot of pushback. Did you how how did you make that decision of hey we're going to do in app purchase subscriptions versus let's let's create accounts offline, build them offline, and then sync it to the app. Yeah. So, um, I mean, for us, it's really about like, what's the best experience for the user? Um, and sure, we may have to pay some extra money to Apple. Um, but if it's going to make it a more seamless sign up experience for the user, then for us, it doesn't matter. Um, because we know some people may be finding us in the app store and signing up right from there. Not that they were intentionally looking for amazing.com, but they're just um, signing up because it's available and it looks like what they want and they can get value out of it. And so from that respect, uh, they may not go to an external website to sign up. Um, you know, and the other thing, too, is like, you know, Spotify, uh, a little bit different of a situation. They're you know a little more established. Uh, and so, you know, maybe they can sort of start. I don't know, having it, having those sort of, you know, complaints and making that sort of decision. But for us with like, you know, much more on the ground where not really don't really have an issue with having to pay Apple kind of whatever they want, um, which, you know, fortunately, I guess is is getting cheaper. Uh, but um, yeah, so it just just kind of was a non-issue is more of just um, what's the best experience for the user. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think history has proved and it continues to prove over and over that with that very simple mentality it you always win right it always mm-hmm. works out the business always grows everything always works when you just think about what's the best user experience i could possibly deliver and you think about things like oh well we're going to save 12 percent if we do it do it on our own site or whatever it may be mm-hmm. uh and i think you're, you're totally right i totally agree with you that that does go a long way and i think that apple's going to say you know when they see people using their their monetization they're going to be able like on the other side of the coin of of the Spotify thing, they may come to you and say, "Hey, look, this is a great example of what you should be doing. Let's let's uh, get you on the front page of iTunes or something like that." Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed, right? <laughs> Speaking of which, how how would you how do you market this kind of app? I mean, we've had a few few email exchanges of a, of a lot of different ideas, and I think that uh, one of the reasons why I'm such a believer in this in this business model, this idea of content frameworks of subscriptions of offline meets online type things is because you get so much flexibility in the marketing you can do heavy marketing offline you can do heavy marketing in the app store uh what are some of the things that you you're planning on doing from a marketing standpoint well, I've already done part of it. It was just email you and ask you for your advice. <laughs> you sent me a whole essay of what to do, so that was awesome. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of boils down to a similar approach that we've used all along, just very much a launch model. Um, it, it works on for a lot of different reasons, especially when you're doing stuff on a platform. Um, if you're doing it on your own website, um, a, a big reason for the launch stuff is, you know, can generate buzz. It can kind of create a uh, snowball effect because if something, for example, like with affiliates is very successful at the very beginning because you did this whole coordinated launch, it gets those affiliates more excited. Uh, so they push harder then it gets other affiliates excited. So they also push. And so it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so we're kind of um, going after the same thing with this uh, platform, uh, you know, being sort of iTunes or, or Google Play. And so uh, what we are going to do is to 
basically uh, launch this thing with a, a big kind of coordinated effort. Uh, and so basically tapping into every traffic source we can get our hands on. And a big important piece is because, you know, we have a, a sizable email list of, you know, a few hundred thousand people that are, you know, either members or they want to build a business. Uh, and they know who we are and all that sort of thing. And so I'm um, going to use that list and um, likely use uh, affiliates uh, to also push this thing. And then also, you know, paid ads with Facebook, which I'm pretty excited about because, you know, I've done quite a bit of Facebook advertising, but I've never done it for app installs. Um, mm. So that'll that'll be new for me. But from what I hear, it's, you know, works pretty well and it's, it's I'm sure, pretty straightforward. Uh, so that'll be cool. So basically going to do this whole coordinated launch with, you know, really warming people up and letting them know it's coming, especially on the email side, building up a lot of excitement. Excitement, and then basically incentivizing every way we possibly can that's staying within everyone's rules, incentivizing people to go download the thing and running contests there, incentivizing uh, affiliates to go promote the thing, um, you know, with, you know, financial compensation, but also a contest, which always makes things uh, more exciting. And then also incentivizing people um, sharing the app. Uh, so doing all that in a very short period of time, I'm pretty confident that we can get uh, easily in the top of, you know, I think I think the app should be showing up in the business category. And so should easily be able to get the top of there for a period of time. But I'm really interested to see how high we go uh, in the general sort of App category. I don't, you know, expect it to stay there because all the crazy game apps and everything. But uh, it'll be interesting, anyways. It'll be good for buzz and press, um, and hopefully also pick up a lot of people because we also got a lot of a, uh, a lot of existing members who want this kind of app, and we've just kind of very much been keeping it low key, uh, and so. Uh, they're they're immediately going to want to download this thing because it makes their lives easier. But that's sort of just part of the whole piece on top of everyone else. We're going to try to coordinate to get in there. And the other kind of thing that we're working on, which I don't know if we'll pull off, but if we really wanted to do this right, is we would have you know exclusive content available in the app that you can't get anywhere else. And so mm. I don't know if we'll be able to do that, but uh, that's that's something else kind of that's on the table. It's such a it's such a different, uh, I guess mentality, but just the conversation, like the way you talk about marketing your app. It's so different to hear that um, versus a lot of people who just market apps looking for, you know, they think about just sheer download numbers and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in-app purchase potential and advertising impressions. And I think when you start thinking, I mean, it starts by building an app that, that services people, but I think when you think about the downloads as customers, right, or as potential customers or anything like that, the the launch and marketing strategies just take such a different a different format right you can use things like uh, affiliates or you can use things like incentives incentives and everything you're talking about and sharing and virality because you're less concerned about just massive huge numbers and you're more concerned about like really great people giving them a really great product and you know just getting them to download the app because you know once they get it it's going to be uh, a, a total home run Right. Yeah. One thing you should check out too. This I think they actually released this like a day or two ago. Uh, is Facebook on their ad platform allow you to buy two events? So it used to be just you could buy installs, right, and you could do the targeting, but now you can you can buy based on events that you want to optimize for. So it's similar on the web where you know you can optimize for an email opt-in or a, a trial sign-up or a, or a purchase or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. You can now do that for your. Um, for your Facebook ads. So that may be also really good timing for you where uh, you can, for the free trial or whatever, you can say, hey, we want to optimize for this event to happen for a free trial to get signed up or or, uh, or whatever it may be. And, and this would probably be a perfect case study for, for what those guys are trying to do with that. Yeah, so um, that's that's a piece that uh, definitely interested in doing. Um, you know, we uh, you know sort of ended up reading this book, which kind of I don't know to me has a cheesy title, but it's an awesome book called How to You. You may have read it. How to uh, I think it's How to How to Build a Billion Dollar App. And so it was you know by the I guess one of the people behind Halo, um, which I think was sold for like five hundred million dollars or something like that. Uh, but it basically like an uber kind of competitor that was over in Europe. And so uh, but yeah, he talks a lot about, you know, one of the things that we're, we're looking at, which we don't have an answer for yet, is when somebody downloads the app, like what is that next critical step that they take that if they take that step, then they're pretty darn likely to actually sign up for a subscription or free trial. 
Um, and so that's what we're kind of looking at. So that's that's interesting because on the Facebook side, like if we can optimize towards that event, I mean, sure, if we optimize towards the free trial sign up, that's one thing. But if it's easier and we get more data for optimizing towards maybe if they at least play a video trailer or at least scroll down on a course page or something like that. But we have to kind of figure out what that is first using data. Yeah, I mean, and that, I, I completely agree with that. I think that onboarding experiences in, in my experience from talking to you know multiple top grossing games and celebrities and all these different apps I've worked on, the having a, a very very powerful onboarding experience is what make or, makes or breaks uh, you know an app that is top grossing fifty or did really well at the launch and then you know you never hear from them again and yeah. it, just just knowing that that's like exactly what you said just having that in the forefront of your of your decisions and what you're, what you're gunning for. Um, that is a critical piece because that's when you can start to open the floodgates. A um, couple more questions for you, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll make sure everyone goes and downloads this app and, and checks it out. Uh, how do you get so much great content? This 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 is a question. Uh, both, you know, I, I think it's just interesting from a business standpoint. But I think a lot of people ask me this, right? Uh, in, at our Hawaii event last May or May of 2016. This content and content platforms exactly like what you're building was probably what I talked about. I would say 50% of the time, and I said this is what's this is what the future is. You gotta pay attention to this stuff. This is huge. And a lot of questions I got were, "Hey, that's awesome. I get it. But how how could I possibly create that much content? Now, obviously, you haven't created personally all the content in your apps. How did you go and get all these courses and, and teachers and things like that?" Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Whenever you're building a platform um, with kind of essentially two customers that you have to serve, uh, there's always like a chicken and the egg situation. There's like in our in our case, it's like for us to get a lot of um, customers or members, people who want to take courses, we need a lot of courses in there. Um, and for us to get a lot of people to create those courses, there's not really any reason for them to do it unless we already have a bunch of customers. And so it's kind of like you're, you're stuck at the beginning. Um, and so for us, the way we kind of uh, have solved that to some extent is, you know, first off, we just started creating our own content. Um, that was, you know, our first couple courses was literally just our own. Then we started doing sort of a hybrid um, partnership model where we kind of split revenue. Then we went to just basically paying people because we sort of knew our numbers and what we could do with a course. And so we would pay people a large amount of money to basically create a piece of content with us. And that's it. It would just kind of be a fixed fee with a few updates built in. Uh, and then now we've since gone from all of that stuff to really simplifying things and basically just doing a royalty model. And so the way it works, very similar to Spotify, is each month there's a royalty pool um, and then the instructors get paid based off of the percentage of viewership of their courses all combined versus the total um, courses. So say they have two courses and those two courses for the month add up to let's say 10% of the entire uh, viewership and say just to make the numbers easy, the royalty pool is 100 grand, then they would basically get paid uh, $10,000, 10% of the total royalty pool. And that just continues month after month after month after month. And so they're incentivized to create more and better content um, and then, you know, members get new fresh content. And so it works out for the members as well, but definitely has been a little bit of a, a, it was a little bit of a cash outlay to get things started, but we, you know, you know, done a bunch of launches and we brought in a bunch of revenue and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't really that big of a deal, but there is always kind of that chicken and the egg thing. And what I've kind of learned in hindsight, um, would have, you know, obviously a lot of things would be better in hindsight, but, uh, I was, you know, reading a book, interestingly enough, called matchmakers and it's all about building platform businesses and so they talk about you know open table who open table i guess i didn't even know this started way back in the late 90s and they you know were kind of one of these companies that got a decent amount of funding they got 30 40 million dollars in funding but they didn't really know what to do with it they weren't they weren't able to pick up any traction because i think they were actually based out of san francisco uh but they were you know basically signing on every restaurant they could around the u.s and they weren't picking up any traction because like they maybe they had 10 restaurants in san francisco but if you're sitting there you're you're in San Francisco. You're like, I want to go eat at a restaurant today. You don't care if they have a bunch of restaurants in other cities. And then that equals thousands of restaurants. All you care about is what's around you right then. And so they kind of had that realization. And so then they started basically doing it, which is commonplace now in platforms. It's the same model Facebook and Uber and everyone else does now is they really concentrate on a very narrow 
um, area, whether geographically or, or anything else. And then once they get good saturation there, then they move on to the next. And so for us, I thought, you know, I had this big idea in mind that we we're going to have all these courses on every topic. Anybody can build a business. And so started bringing on courses on all kinds of different topics. Um, I think it was a little bit of a mistake and kind of slowed things down. Uh, in an ideal world, we were already doing all this Amazon stuff. We should have gone really deep, really early in Amazon and then gone on to the next business model. Uh, but you know, we're, we're, we're chugging along and moving along, but that's just one kind of thing that would have made more sense. But it's, it's something you don't really realize until you're trying to solve that whole chicken and the egg problem. It's like you need to be known for something before you can be known for everything. Right. Yeah. I think that that's, that, that's, there's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that where, you know, as, as markets get more and more competitive, you know, depth is where the money is. It's all in the back end, as everyone knows, mm -hmm. and that transcends into almost every, every part of the business and into the business strategy itself. Uh, and I also think that what you said is, is very true where it's, it's a lot of often what I say that when someone says that I don't have any content, I go just, well, go and start writing some, you know, go, <laughs> go turn on a video camera. And if you don't like to be on camera, make a PowerPoint and do a screen share or whatever, but like just, you can make anything. Um, or you can go and, if you if you can build an app, you know, go partner with someone who can make content, whatever it may be. But uh, I think the the key being at the beginning, it's it's you're not going to be ROI positive up front. You know you got to you got to put up a lot of a lot of hustle and a lot of work and whatever else it may be uh, to get the ball rolling. And once it's rolling, you can start making decisions about you know where you want to be, like the direction and what kind of content you want to be getting. Yep. With the app, um, one thing I'm seeing a lot of, which is really interesting, is the ability to sell higher ticket stuff in apps. Um, one example I've written about many times is this app called Jet Setter, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's no, huh? it's, it's kind of like an Uber for private jets where they, they pick up private jets that, uh, you know, so many private jets that are never being flown. And then you have the ability to reserve a seat, uh, you know, on pre- preset flight patterns or if you want to get your own route reserved you can pay a discounted fee and then you pay a, a yearly membership fee of anywhere from five to thirty five thousand dollars depending on your tier and what's interesting about this business is the entire thing is run through the app both as a, the operations itself so the user experience and booking the flights and checking in and everything all the way to the sign up process What's done off outside of the app is the marketing, the customer support, the sales, like everything like that. And so one thing I, I was looking at the app, or I can, I, as I look through the app, um, is are you guys thinking about doing anything other than the monthly uh, free trial into the monthly membership with the app? Yeah, so that's a interesting question. Like, haven't really thought that much about that. At least doing it from within the app. Um, I mean, in in this market with people, you know, trying to and and are already building a business, is there's always the desire to go higher, go better, go more exclusive, go deeper, go faster. Um, and so there's always, you know, a good sort of. Uh, amount of demand for other stuff, especially more expensive stuff, um, where they can kind of get closer access to the people who've kind of been there and done that. But I haven't really thought that much about doing that much more through the app. Um, really, really just focusing on getting the subscription going. But I mean, we know we do live events and all that sort of stuff. So like I said, I mean, I haven't thought that much about it. I don't even know how some of that stuff works. Like if you're selling, for example, like if we were to sell some other digital thing that's maybe like, $500 a month or something like that. It's like, would Apple also be getting their 30% of that? And it's like, I know, I know, I know they kind of draw the line with like digital versus not digital and like digital, they want their piece, but if it's not digital, they don't care so much, I guess. Um, but yeah, I haven't thought a lot about that. That's, that's very interesting. I, I do have to tell you, I'm definitely envious of the kind of businesses that have the extreme simplicity of only having an app. Uh, I find that to be amazing. Like I know there's, um, can't remember some e-commerce startup, I think over in India or something like that, that they basically run everything through an app. And I think they may have, you know, changed or something like that. But I, I find that amazing. That would be awesome for simplicity, but just, I'm just not sure we could go there though. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that becomes the, the ultimate question is the, is the Apple cut because when you get to the high ticket stuff, it, uh, you know, that becomes pretty serious money pretty quickly. And like you mm -hmm. said, it's a gray line between what's digital what's not digital uh you know how do you define that but um i personally like the, one of the things i'm uh, this is just me uh 
idea dumping here because I, I think that this is like the biggest opportunity with app monetization is this idea of flash sales done in an app. I've never seen someone do this. I've seen apps like Wish, which, you know, essentially Alibaba, but crowdsourced. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, Groupon, which was previously the fastest growing company in the history of the United States. And I'm always wondering, like, why people don't do more flash sales inside apps and then use Apple Pay to buy it. Now, Apple Pay obviously doesn't have it. That's just the 2.9%. But it's something to think about, right, with what you guys have, um, or if you want to layer in, you know, you're selling your products or selling certain deals or new live event or whatever it may be. Um, using the app as the ability because they, like you said before, they, they, they're using the app, they're consuming the content on the app, they have it available, sending push notifications and saying, hey, look, for 24 hours, you can, you can uh, take, you could buy this course for 50% off, just touch ID and buy it right here. Or all the way down to like, hey, for, t for the next 10 minutes, this is available for 90% off. Um, I personally think that that is like one of the biggest, like nobody's doing that yet, right? And uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see um, if you if that was ever an interesting opportunity in, in your app for that kind of thing. How, how, do the, uh, how do the app stores think about like you doing marketing stuff through push notifications? I thought that was kind of like a no-no. No, no they're, they're, uh, it depends how you, how you word it. And uh, uh -huh. it's also how you automate it. So if it's all controlled on your side, um, you're you're usually good to go. But um, if you alert people like, hey, we're doing a 50% off sale. I mean, Uber and Lyft, they do that all the time. Hey, oh, yeah. for the next 24 hours, it's 50% off uh, Uber X rides or whatever it may be. You know, just open here and it'll take you to some sales page inside the app. Uh, so I think it's ju it just comes down to... Um, how how you how you word it how you how you market it things like that but i mean every every game out there all the casino games they do that pretty much all day when you when you download them yeah that's uh, a good point last question i have and then we can wrap this up is just in terms of the bigger the bigger business of what you're building so obviously you have a you have amazing.com um as an umbrella of everything and I know, I mean, I know this from personal experience from from business owners who have reached out to me, very successful business owners who have talked about this kind of business before. And they've, they've asked me if I have anything, if I know of anything. Have you thought about licensing this to other companies or big, not necessarily online education companies, but just big content houses or, or big brands that want the ability to, to do this, right? To have an online uh, community, online marketplace, and then create a monetized app platform yeah no haven't thought about um uh licensing the actual platform it's just like i feel like a lot of times like we're so uh neck deep with our heads down um <laughs> building the thing ourselves much less like trying to build it so it can be kind of like piecemealed or, or sold off to other people um doesn't mean it's not a good idea it's just um it's uh yeah it's uh haven't really thought about that piece i know it has been um a, an adventure getting this thing built i'll put it that way it's i know you had mentioned that you know other people have tried to build these platforms and like you have to have the database the centralized database and all that sort of stuff for us it's like you know this this app from start to finish one way to look at it that it's taken about six months with a really good team of about four or five people um but on the other hand like we've had a lot of things that we've been able to leverage like we had started building an app uh, a year before then, which is a complete disaster, used a company who didn't know what they were doing um, and just charged a bunch of money. So that was a learning experience anyways. But at least from that experience, like we knew kind of what we wanted in the app, if nothing else. Um, but then we'd also, you know, we'd, we'd been building this e-learning platform even before I uh, I'd sort of partnered up with the other co-founder of Amazing.com. He was using it to deliver courses, you know, five, six, seven years ago, something like that. And so we kind of had been morphing that platform into our web-based web web-based one. And so that database piece had already been sort of solved and figured out like years ago. Um, so it definitely has been an adventure getting this thing built. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of take it for granted sometimes. I'm like, ah, couldn't somebody just build their own pretty quickly? But maybe it's maybe it's not that easy. So I don't know. I haven't thought about that piece, anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to your point, going from B to C to B to B, which is essentially what that would involve, it's is no small feat, both from a operational standpoint and from just a, you know, wrapping your head around it standpoint. So yeah. Um, but it, I think it'd be you know. 
there's something there. I, there's a there's a clear demand. I think a lot of people um, in the next three years will will look at what what this is doing, and they'll look back and be like, "Wow, he, that, that was so that was so far ahead of the time, far ahead of the curve." Um, and anytime that happens, I think that there's a lot of opportunity. So, Matt, what's the best thing that obviously everyone's going to go download your app? We'll put a link below in the show notes. But how can people learn more about the app, about Amazing.com, about you? What's the best place to go? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely just, um, you know, like you said, download the app. Uh, I mean, we're, we're trying to essentially people will be able to have a full experience on their mobile phone through the app. And so it's not like you're going to have to go like do something else on the website or any of that sort of thing. So I would definitely recommend uh, downloading the app, check out some of the courses. I myself have created a few courses in there and you'll be able to see those in there. Or if you're interested in app stuff, we've got some app courses in there, um, some marketing courses, just about anything uh, you could want in terms of uh, building or, or starting or building a business. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of all contained in the app. So I would I would definitely go there. Obviously, we've got all our standard social media stuff if you want more frequent updates but uh yeah definitely uh definitely the app very cool and i, I would recommend anyone uh when i got access to the amazing platform last year i got access to a bunch of different courses one of which was uh one of matt's courses i think it was called like cash flow something i can't remember yep cash flow mba it's very short uh and i watched a couple of videos of it it's really helpful i would recommend anyone i'm not sure if that's in the app yet but uh that's a great place to start it's just a really good overview of business fundamentals um so if anyone's like oh well i do apps you know online education or, or internet marketing or online business doesn't apply to me uh, i think you would get a huge amount uh, from that just you could finish it in a matter of hours uh it's, a, it's an awesome app so or awesome course i should say so that, that could be a great place to start and uh yeah we'll put a link in the in the show notes and any other info but matt thanks so much for taking the time man i really appreciate it yeah thanks carter it was uh, awesome so yeah thanks for having me and hopefully everyone got some uh, value out of this terrific this has been another episode of the blue cloud podcast for more information on app development ebooks reliable source codes and more expand your mobile knowledge by going to bluecloudsolutions.com